Welcome, friends, to this episode of Leadosophy. You're here with an open mind because that's the rule, not the exception. Today, we're going to talk about mental models. Should be exciting. What is a mental model? We're going to talk about that. We're going to dive into the nexus between mental models and leadership. I'm hoping as we discuss mental models, the nexus between leadership and mental models will slowly emerge or just reveal itself without me having to kind of say what it is or what the connection is. I think it'll just, it'll naturally appear to you or appear to us as leadosophers. Think about the last time you're faced with a novel situation, something new. Maybe it's the first time you took a trip to a foreign country or the first time you rode public transportation. What was that experience like? And how did it shape future experiences that were similar in nature? Life begins with a series of experiences. I'm assuming it ends that way. We learn, we adapt, we respond, and we feel certain ways about everything we do, even if that feeling is indifference. And over time, we adopt a worldview, a mental model, and that's what we're going to discuss today. I hope you're ready. Here we go. Are you ready to permanently fuse leadership and philosophy? Then a word of caution, you are about to enter the fully abstract yet wholly concrete realm of leadosophy. Our ideas are not always so clear and distinct. To validate this proposition, we welcome the host of leadosophy, Tim Wood. Okay, welcome back, friends. I hope you are as jacked as I am about mental models. I'm jacked about mental models because when I was in the Coast Guard, I, I taught a, this was part of a curriculum that I taught when I discussed operational risk management, when I taught operational risk management in the Coast Guard. Mental models was a big part of that, that teaching, that instruction, that facilitation, developing shared mental models amongst crew members going out on a mission. Each crew member brings to the table, to that mission, his or her own worldview and then trying to adopt some sort of common worldview as you go out to achieve a, achieve a mission, achieve objectives, save a life, whatever it might be. How do you develop a shared mental model? That's what we, we discussed in class. How the leader's influence on developing that shared model played into that. Did he or she try to bring out the ideas, the assumptions, the values of the teammates to try to develop that shared mental model together? Was a leader the type of person that allowed very transparent communication, very open communication to try to develop that shared mental model so people could go out and achieve great missions, do great things, and do it in a unified unified way, achieving goals in a, in a unified direction? I'm going to rely on a, a website called the Farnham Street Blog to just intro what a mental model is. They, they have a pretty good description. I'm just going to read just a few paragraphs from, from their blog, and I'll link it in the, in the show notes. They say, the authors say, what are mental models? Mental models are how we understand the world. Not only do they shape what we think and how we understand, but they shape the connections and opportunities that we see. Mental models are how we simplify complexity. 
why we consider some things more relevant than others, and how we reason. A mental model is simply a representation of how something works. We cannot keep all of the details of the world in our brain, so we use models to simplify the complex into understandable and organizable chunks. They continue. The quality of our thinking is proportional to the models in our head and their usefulness in the situation at hand. The more models you have, the bigger your your toolbox, the more likely you are to have the right models to see reality. And when they talk about the quality of our thinking is proportional to the models in our head, this also means shared mental models. It also means what's in our own minds is limited. That's why we need to rely on the minds of others. If you're going out to achieve or going out on a certain mission, if you're in the Coast Guard going on a certain mission on a boat, you're limited to what you have in your own mind and how you see that mission playing out. So you have to rely on your teammates, how they see the mission playing out before you even get on the boat. You have to develop that common operating picture. And I I use common operating picture as kind of synonymous with shared mental model. Everyone's got to be on the same page. And you draw, you draw upon the values of everyone else's unique experiences because your experiences are limited. So you need to rely on the experiences of others if you're going to improve your knowledge, have more information to make better decisions, and so on and so forth. And they talk about the more models you have in your head, the more likely you are to have the right models to see reality. The metaphor I use for this is, is weather apps. So... Having been in the Coast Guard for 20 years and a boat driver on the ocean, you have to rely upon weather forecasts all the time. You become a student of weather observation. So now, long after retirement, I still have this ingrained in my mind to look at weather. So instead of going to just one source for the weather, I have four different weather apps that I look at daily to develop my common operating picture of the coming days, what the weather is going to be like. And I have a website that I also go to, a website that is authored by a pilot. And who better knows the weather or studies the weather than pilots? I would argue that they look at the weather as closely as anyone in any profession one mistake or one misobservation or misreading the weather could be tragic for a pilot. So there's a pilot that has a website and he writes about weather forecasts up in where I live in the Pacific Northwest. And so I take all these different tools, these mental tools, and I develop my, my mental model of what the weather is going to be like over the days in the week ahead. And it's just, it's not that everything's going to be perfect. Just my understanding deepens of when there might be rain or, or not rain or when I can go golfing. I love to golf. Not that good, but I tear up a lot of grass. So that's kind of the analogy. That's the metaphor as far as having different tools on how we, how we see the world, how we process the world around us. Having more than just one source of information. And again, back to shared mental models, relying on, on other people's idea, how they see the world how they process information, how they make decisions, and then relying on them to help us also make decisions, make better decisions, make decisions within teams, so on and so forth. The authors continue, 
Most of us, however, are specialists. Instead of lattice work of mental models, we have a few from our discipline. Each specialist sees something different. By default, a typical engineer will think in systems. A psychologist will think in terms of incentives. A biologist will think in terms of evolution. By putting these disciplines together in our head, we can walk around a problem in a three-dimensional way. If we're only looking at the problem one way, we've got a blind spot, and blind spots can kill you. Leadosophy, I've, I've done a podcast on, on blind spots about maybe 10 or 15 episodes ago on how we develop blind spots, on how we can close our blind spots. Check it out if you, if you get a chance. And closing up, one more paragraph from the authors here at Farnham Street. They write, here's another way to think about it. When a botanist looks at a forest, they may focus on the ecosystem. An environmentalist sees the impact of climate change, a forestry engineer the state of the tree growth, and a business person the value of the land. None are wrong, but neither are any of them able to describe the full scope of the forest. Sharing knowledge or learning basics of the other disciplines will lead to a more well-rounded understanding that would allow for better initial decisions about managing the forest. And again, sharing knowledge, I think, is, is the key to, to the shared mental model amongst teammates. And again, whether it's a, a team that's working on a project or a team that's going out to effect a rescue on the water, sharing knowledge, sharing information amongst that team, bringing all that out, teasing it out, and the leader encouraging information to come out, as much information as possible. I agree there's, there's a time where too much information can begin to inhibit the mission or be not constructive. So that's something to keep in mind. As far as the learning the basics of other disciplines, this requires deliberate effort. That's what I wrote in my notes. The question Leadosophy has is, is this the norm in, in many organizations? We talk about silos all the time. If you read leadership books, you always hear, or especially books on communication, you always hear about silos in an organization. One department not talking to the other department. But what, what about one department not understanding what the other department does? Maybe billing doesn't understand what the engineers do. Now, there's limits to this, of course. And billing doesn't need to understand how the engineers create a new product so to speak, but what if they had just a little idea or understanding or if, if they could just communicate a little better between each other? The leader who dives into different aspects of an organization, trying to understand different aspects, different departments, how things work, if they're willing to do that, is that a skill or is it a trait? How do they develop that? And does it apply to leadership effectiveness? I've talked about leadership effectiveness before. How do you define effectiveness? I don't really always know. I think it's very contextual. But if a leader was going to be effective, in my mind, one thing, one trait they would have or one skill they would pursue is knowledge seeking outside of their limited scope of knowledge. And they can develop that well-rounded understanding. So we talk about mental models being how we see the world, the experiences we have, and what the experiences create, the effects from those experiences, the residual effects, how they influence our mind. So what is your view of the world? And that's a big question, so I'm going to break it down into a few other questions. 
And again, as I'm asking these questions, you know, think about what is the connection to leadership, whether it's in the workplace, in the community, wherever it is. Leadership can happen all over the place. It doesn't have to be in the workplace. Do you see challenges as opportunities? If so, why is that? Why, what differentiates you who sees a challenge as an opportunity from someone else who might see a challenge as a roadblock and it just completely stops them in their tracks and they can't move forward? Is that a character trait? Or is that something that you've been taught? Are you pessimistic about the future or are you optimistic? Have you had good experiences meeting with new people or starting a conversation with a stranger? What about your bosses, your experience with bosses? Have you had good bosses, bad bosses? What residual effects have they had on you and how you see the world moving forward? Maybe it was a boss in a previous job who was demeaning, created a demotivating atmosphere. How does that influence on how you see your current position in a new job or how you treat others? Have you worked for organizations that promote autonomy and purpose or organizations that promote competition and focus solely on bottom line results? And again, how does that influence you, influence you, how you see the world? Do you value frugality over luxury? Are you a conservative decision maker, conservative risk taker? And what experiences made you this way? Let's just talk about new experiences in general. Do you like new experiences? Or do you tend to shy away from them? Those are all things that kind of influence the mental model. Our mental models are influenced and they influence. What do I mean? Our experiences are kind of like the inputs, right? They come in and they influence or shape our, our worldview. We pick up values and assumptions about everything we do, everything we see, every experience we have. Influences are many. You know, we talk, I've talked about one of my early episodes I talked about as you grow up as a child, you have all these external influences, all these institutions that influence us, schools, churches, the family institution, Uncle Bob, what he tells us when we're a young child about how to view certain people, right? These are all influences. These are all inputs that affect our mental model. They affect our worldview. We also pick up things subconsciously we may not even realize. And then the other influencers into our mental model, the other inputs or the knowledge that we seek, right? This is theoretical knowledge. This is practical knowledge we get through experience. And then again, our mental models are influenced, but they also influence how we see problems, how we look at problems. This is a very visual. We talk about mental models. It's very visual, right? how we see problems, how we see opportunities. Think about the workplace, all the human interactions you have day in and day out. Every time you have a conversation with somebody, how you view that conversation is influenced by your mental model, by your view of the world. That's the importance to leadership and human relationship building. Again, I talked about earlier my, my time teaching about mental models in the Coast Guard and developing that common operating picture, which I think is important. And I think that transcends all aspects of life. Whether you and your spouse are planning to buy a house, 
or selling a house, it's important that between the two of you, you develop a shared mental model of how you see this process playing out. What about three friends who are taking a road trip? Each friend has a different experience traveling. One person has had terrible experiences on a cross-country trip. Another person has had great experiences. And the third person has had no experience traveling whatsoever. They've never even left their town. So you have a lot of experience. You have limited experiences. How do these three experiences come together to form a common operating picture of how that trip will progress as they travel across country? What if all three friends come from different socioeconomic backgrounds? That's going to influence how they see this trip playing out. What if one, one of the friends is, is low on money? He's, he might be very, or she might be very conscious about spending money in a hotel. They may want to sleep in rest areas. While the other friend who was born in a, in a household of luxury maybe his parents gave him money to travel is not concerned about the costs of hotels, right? These are all different experiences go into the trip. This is the common operating picture that these three friends are trying to develop, or maybe they won't develop. Maybe they just wing it. And then when adversity hits, they never talked about potential adversity or how to deal with it. So it throws everyone into chaos So I think the critical question for leadosophy is should leaders focus more on adopting shared mental models? And if this is the case, how can the leader facilitate this process? I think that's if we're going to try to deepen our understanding of mental models, both individually and of the shared variety, I think this is a key question. How can leaders facilitate the process of of creating a shared mental model within an organization. We'll, we'll use organizations for an example. How does this become the, the culture, the organizational culture, shared mental models? I think the first thing you have to do if, if you're a leader is you have to talk about mental models. A lot of people have never heard the term mental model. They've probably heard the term worldview. What is my worldview? Which is a really profound question. It's very intricate if you're going to think about it. If you're going to write a book about your worldview, each of us with our years of life experience could write a volume or volumes on our worldview if we wanted to take the time to do that. We all have a story to tell. Our story shapes how we see things. So you have to have this conversation about what mental models are, how they develop. And then you have to talk about what's the benefit of having common common operating picture in the workplace. What's the benefits of shared planning, getting more people involved, making sure people at different levels of the organization are involved in planning for the future. And there are limitations. You can't, you can't get everybody's input. It's impossible. The larger the organization, the less you can get, the less you can rely on so much information. There's a limit to how much information we can, we can process and take in. And if we try to get everybody's input, we would be in a state of perpetual freeze. 
we never be able to make a decision. We never, we never be able to get anything done if we tried to seek everyone's information. So there's limitations to seeking input. You know, think about reactions to new new ideas or, or new programs, for example, as far as shared planning. You know, you, you might have a boss who, or a series of bosses who are excited about a new program, but then the staff is terrified because the organization has been through so many changes, right? So how do you get someone, everyone on the shared mental model of on the same page of embracing a new process or a new policy or a new program? That's the job of the leadership. That's the job of leadership, bottom line up front. It's the rollout that matters. How do you roll that out? How do you get others involved? How do you make them a part of the process, which allows them to hopefully embrace the process? If access to a shared mental model is locked, I think transparency is kind of like the password or the key that unlocks that shared mental models. And when I talk about transparency, a few things come to mind. I think objectives or planning with the end goals in mind, I think those have to be transparent for different layers of the organization. Limitations, especially when it comes to limitations of knowledge. Leaders must be cognizant that they probably have less knowledge than they realize. Their knowledge, it might be very limited in a certain area. And I think a little bit of humility goes a long way there. There may be physical limitations, office space, whatever it might be. There might be financial limitations. So talking about the future, creating a shared mental model and making sure people know the limitations. Some people have personal limitations. They may be afraid to talk about, which will go into my next point. But it's okay to bring out some of those limitations, even if they're personal limitations. Again, you're trying to get everybody on the same page developing a shared mental model. What are our assumptions? What are our values? What do we expect? If we're trying to get to A to B, what are the expectations for the journey? What are, what are going to be our, some of our challenges? What are, be, what are going to be some of our opportunities? And what are our biases that we're coming into the planning process with? Trying to develop a shared mental model. And again, this could be a large-scale organizational planning mission, or it could be just a team project between two people. Again, I talked about you and your spouse trying to buy a house, trying to sell a house. Anytime you have two or more people and they're trying to achieve a common goal, there's going to be individual mental models and there's going to be a shared mental model or there's not going to be a shared mental model. You're just going to go into the the process or trying to achieve a goal blind, which I don't recommend. I talked about limitations, personal limitations, and I think this goes to vulnerability. I think that may help with the shared mental model. I call it 360 degrees of vulnerability. Allowing yourself to be a little vulnerable to, to your peers, maybe to people that work for you, and to the people you work for. Different people have different comfort level, levels with being vulnerable, showing weakness, telling someone they don't know the answer. I think that's common. I think we've all experienced that. But the more open you are about your limitations, 
especially of knowledge limitations, of lack of information that you have. I think you can draw out the knowledge from other people. They'll be willing to help you. Like, I see you're missing this piece of information. I think I may have it, or I think I know where to find this information. Let's do this together. Let's make this a team effort. effort. I think it helps if the leaders are seeking input. Not just occasionally, but it's a common practice. But again, this also has its limits. I, I understand that. Again, you can only seek so much input. You can only go to so many sources. The mind can only handle so much information. That's a real thing. So we can keep that in mind. And lastly, the last point I want to make before we wrap this one up is we got to be mindful of our mental models and, and our own mental model limitations. Our worldview is very limited. Limited based on our own unique experiences. I, I like to sometimes think of the mind as an operating system. Some people don't like the analogy of the mind as a computer. But I like it for the mental model example. Because if the mind, if you look at the mind as an operating system, one of the key components of any or characteristics of any operating system on a computer is it's constantly needs updated. It constantly needs improvements. It's constantly being improved. But from a human standpoint, we have to be open to these updates. We have to be open to these improvements. We are learning creatures. We're thought leaders. This also means that we can adapt to other people's operating systems. We can take things that work from them, things that they have tried in practice, and try to tailor that, not maybe replicate it, a one-to-one copy, but take aspects of what they tried that worked and tinker with it a little bit and see if it can work in our, in our life, in our leadership as we lead others. And again, we can tap into the, to the mental models of others. It's encouraged. But this has got to be a very deliberate process. You have to seek this. It's got to be a practice that becomes commonplace. You have to be bold in asking questions, curiosity, sense of wonder. Once we limit ourselves by thinking we have the right answer or we have discovered the truth, and we think we own that, we begin to to limit ourselves. We begin to shut down our operating system, not allowing it to be updated or even jettison bad bad information. Think about how many how many of us have have grown up through life and maybe we were taught something that as we got older we realized wasn't very effective or wasn't conducive to positive human relationships. And we've had to work on that. We've had to jettison bad information. Maybe it was a bad value that we were taught as a child. Maybe we were valued to not like this specific group of people because of their background, what they look like, what religion they practice, whatever it might be. So sometimes we have to, we have to jettison bad parts of our operating system, of our worldview, that really isn't conducive to, to fostering, improving human relationships and a positive factor, which I think leadership is, if you're going to label leadership as anything, leadership is definitely about human relationships. 
positive impact. And it's really hard to do that if we have parts of our operating system that are limiting our worldview of how we see others. Maybe we think that they can't accomplish certain things because, again, where they've came from or whatever background they may have. So every situation you go into, any relationship that involves two or more, you take your worldview into that situation and we make certain assumptions about people. We judge. And that's part of, part of our mental model, part of our worldview. We've been taught something about that and how to operate. So I think things we can work on. To close it up, shared mental models, they're important. Our individual mental models are important. Again, that's how we see the world. But adopting that common operating picture in a team setting, small teams, large teams, it makes no difference. Adopting that shared mental model is crucial. And that's all Leadosophy has today on mental models. Remember, Leadosophy is about using the tools of philosophical thought to deepen our understanding of leadership and of life. Mental models is definitely a something that applies to life, not just leadership. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for watching and listening to another episode of Leadosophy. If you liked what you heard today, hit that subscribe button and check out leadosophy.com and learn more about Tim's ideas on philosophy and leadership. We'll see you next time.